have the two still. I, I didn't get a chance to look up any other sounds, so it is what it is, but that's fine. We only need, you know, really, we only need the two because if an eyeball pops yeah. out of a head, it's got to be the ballpark sound. Uh, yeah, exactly. And if we tell a joke, it's got to be the drums. So the we're good. Shot. Yes, exactly. Okay. Every time you say that, when you say rim shop, a shot, yeah. rim <laughs> shot, I don't hear rim shot. I know. I hear you nasty. I know just, you nasty. You need Jesus, is what you. Also, need. can we, can we talk about the dress that I'm wearing today? Uh, sure, if I could see it. That's cute. Like I'm boobs. <laughs> I had they to actually I, give the girls some lift. I had to buy like a specific bra because of the way that the dress is uh, mm-hmm. cut. I had to get what's called a a balcony bra. Yeah, and I'm like. My Why boobs. do you think the balcony scene is so popular in Romeo and Juliet? She's... I know, but my boobs are like bongos. <laughs> and what, what did I... we learn today? Don't drum on a white lady's boobies while at a big redneck party. Got it. Right. <laughs> but I can drum on my own boobs. But whose boobs would those be? My boobs are Rin's boobs. And mine's are Tammy's, what's left of them anyway. And this is... I love a good rabbit hole. With boobs. With boobs, apparently. (laughs) All right. So other than talking about my dress and the boobs that are in the dress, um, that's really all I had. I didn't even have a good way to segue into today's people because really, how do you segue into horrific? I think you did quite well just now. Yeah. Just do you just go. So we're going to talk about something terrible today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give this a disclaimer. Yes. We're going to talk about murder. We're, we're going to talk, talk about, about sexual assault. Yeah. We're going to talk possibly about gore. Um, uh, racism. Racism. We're going to be talking about oh necrophilia. Yeah. Like So we, we literally just take it as a warning. The entire thing is just like a big warning stamp across it if it could trigger you it's probably going to be in this specific episode if if any of those things trigger you you probably don't want to listen to this but then again you did read the title so why the hell you here <laughs> second of all if none of those things trigger you i have a good number for a therapist <laughs> it's called gethelp.com mm. or betterhelp.com better which help. we're not sponsored by because we're not that fancy not yet Nope. We are not sponsored by anything other than... Ooh, what are we drinking today? The energy drink that I am drinking. (laughs) And we're not actually sponsored by that. We're just energized by that. Today, I am drinking prime energy drink. Okay, my mind just went in a very dark, dark place. Oh, Lord. So all I see right now is you holding Optimus Prime thingy. Oh, yeah, this could look like Optimus Prime's penis. It's a red, shiny cylinder. This is prime. And it's the size of my hand. Although, I mean, that would mean that Optimus Prime got a little wang. Yeah. Well, we love Optimus. We we are pro-transformers. I will state that this um, is manufactured in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm. So... It's a little, it's a, it's a little homegrown for nice. my neck of the woods. Not that I'm in Louisville, but I have been there a few times, you know, and Derb and the Derby's coming up. So I do need to get myself a fancy hat. Yeah, you do. 
So um, also, I do have some fake talons going on right now. Nice. Um, so opening this can is going to be um, a bout of the Three Stooges. <laughs> Wish me luck. There it is. How the fuck did I get backsplash? <laughs> I mean, the can's facing that way. It's Tropical Punch. I'm very excited. Mm. It does have some good bubbles. I will state that this is probably one of my more favorite uh, brands. Unfortunately, it's like two thirty a can. Good God. Um, I have started to like another brand called Zoa. Yeah. They have a Tropical Punch one that is so good. And they have a white peach one. And y'all know how I feel about my peach energy drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just sign me up for a cup of that. And it is also really good. And um, they, you know, give me a decent kick. Huh. And the again, ones that we're cram, not sponsored by them. Hint, no, hint. but the ones that cram the ton of energy into a little bitty can so that I don't have to try and drink a massive can. See, like the one Rockstar energy drinks that have the 240 milligrams of, ener of caffeine, mm -hmm. that's a massive can. It takes me forever to drink that, that I don't get the effect. Mm. But this is a little can. I can chug a blug this. Chug a blug. Words are hard. <laughs> I can chug this pretty well and like actually drink the whole thing before it becomes warm. Huh. All right, then. I would like to add that I am making sure to stay hydrated with a big bottle of water. Me However, too. this is Water Joe. <laughs> Hi, Water Joe. Water Joe is water plus caffeine. Why, why would you do that? Have you met me? <laughs> Occasionally, I will take the, this water, Joe, and I will mix it with little caffeine tablets. Okay. I've literally contemplated making my coffee with water, Joe. Okay. I, I like a caffeine. It's like it, it's like that TikTok of a dog like chewing something really hard. I mean, like, <laughs> I had a Red Bull once. I liked a Red Bull. Did you ever have a Red Bull? I've had a Red Bull. I like Red Bull. Have you ever had a Red Bull? It's like... <laughs> yes, I remember that part in... Uh... George of the Jungle, jungle Brendan right. Fraser gets a hold of the coffee <laughs> and he chews oh. it down. He's like, coffee, 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 coffee. <laughs> Brendan Fraser and George of the Jungle. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to take off my yeah. sweater. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, that's where I lost Rin. <laughs> that, that's a thirst trap if there ever was one. Hell yeah, it was like an hour and a half like, long thirst trap for. I am not a woman to get all like drooly over a man's body, you know, like, <laughs> oh. I'm not, but. I'm sorry, that was oiled in all the right places. Yes, it was. Okay, so we are eight minutes into this, and we aren't even anywhere close to what That's true. I, here I was all, I didn't have much to talk about, and then I'm like, blah, 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 blah. All right. Hi, listeners, you knew I did. And I promise I will not be nearly as manic this time as I was in, say, the Pegasus Project. So would you like, day. would you like to start? Okay. For anyone, I, uh, just, yes. For anyone who listened to the Pegasus Project, I apologize. I will revisit that topic one day <laughs> because I have a huge passion for time travel. But I was manic AF, so just throwing that out there now. Also, I look cross-eyed. Yeah, so do I. What's up with that? Well, I, I literally look like the homeless person you told your me. Hair is, like a, your, yeah. your hair is doing a dad thing for sure. It is doing a something. I don't know. Oh, it's like, <laughs> sis, sister friend, what are you doing there? I'm letting my... I don't even know. There's no free. You're letting your hair up. Lying. Yeah. <laughs> just, 
Okay, so... Let your her up. <laughs> don't be scared. Just let your her down. Um, okay, so I have, this time around, am going to talk about California's most, quote-unquote, notorious, danger, dangerous criminal, whatever these are, the 50, not so nifty. Um, California, the number one is Charles Manson. Charlie Manson. Makes him sound a little less menacing, I think. A little more Charlie Bucket, a little less Charles Manson. Manson. (laughs) A little less homicidal maniac and a little more chocolate bar. Oh, okay. Ooh, I want a chocolate bar. Oh, good lord. Okay, so California has its share of infamous criminals. We, We discussed this, and he's number one over the Night Stalker and the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, and yeah, anyway. but none And your mama. As, as your mama. <laughs> none are as notable as Charlie Manson, the cult leader whose followers carried out a murder spree in Hollywood in the late 1960s that took a life of approximately, and, and this is a wild accusation here, but approximately 35 people, including the actress Sharon Tate and her unborn child. Now, it's really not that wrong. high. He didn't take those lives. He commanded no. his minions, his he, puppets. Yes. He's a puppeteer. It, yes. That, that's, that's what it, they were saying. Yes. He, just because he said the words didn't mean that they had to follow through was hmm. his defense. But they did. It, and, and his defense didn't work. So, uh, Charlie Manson was born on November 12th, 1934 to a 15-year-old Catherine Manson Boer Kadavner knee Maddox. And yes, that's his mother's full name. Just because of all the time she got married. Yes. Well, or was with somebody else. Anyway, um, in the University of Cincinnati Academic Health Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, he was named Charles Miles Maddox. Manson's biological father appears to have been Colonel Walker Henderson Scott Sr. of Cattlesburg, Kentucky, against whom Kathleen Maddox filed a paternity suit that resulted in an agreed judgment in 1937. Um, and that was the really the last interaction that I'm aware of that he had with his father. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, once she got he the had... paternity suit, he was gone. Yeah, he was, he was straight up daddy issues from yeah. day one. Oh, yeah. Um, so Scott worked intermittently in local mills and had a local reputation as a con artist. He allowed Maddox to believe that he was an army colonel, although colonel was merely just his given name. He never served in the military. Um, after several months, she realized she had no intention of returning from army business. Um, the mom just decided she was she was done with it. They, they could, could you imagine way. if he did decide to go into the military and he'd be private colonel? <laughs> That's probably the rank he would have stayed at. Or like sergeant colonel or <laughs> colonel colonel. Hey, he was a colonel from Kentucky. Can you imagine? No, never mind. Anyway. I mean, we do have corn over here, so he could have been a colonel. A corner colonel. 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 Yay for the American language. Okay, so in August 1934, before Charlie's birth, Maddox married William Eugene Manson, a laborer at a dry cleaning business. Maddox often went on drinking sprees with her brother, Luther, leaving Charlie with multiple different babysitters. Um, Manson and Maddox um, divorced in 1939. And but Charlie kept uh, Manson's last name, so instead of uh, Maddox, he 
went by Manson now. He um, should have gone back to Maddox. Like, he honestly, really should have. <laughs> Charlie Maddox, like, that name screams cult leader. This is true. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. So, um, Charlie was placed in a home of an aunt and uncle in West Virginia. His mother, who was sent to prison um, in 1940, was paroled in 1942. Um, Charlie later characterized the first weeks after his mother returned from prison as one of the happiest times in his life. After Maddox's release, Manson's family moved to Charleston, West Virginia, where he continually played truant and his mother and her mother spent her evenings drinking herself stupid Hmm. which you know in west virginia there's a lot of ways to do that (laughs) do you ever drink yourself smart no i mean vodka says you're getting smart but i was gonna say if if you listen to what the alcohol is telling you then yes you can drink yourself smart but no i never have right yeah um so let's see um she was eventually arrested for grand larceny, larceny, but not convicted. And the family later moved to Indianapolis, where his mother met an alcoholic with the last name of Lewis through an AA meeting, and they married in August 1943. In an interview with Diane Sawyer, Charlie said that when he was nine, he set his school on fire, and he got into trouble for truancy and petty theft. So... Uh, we're already looking at almost the trifecta yeah. of the serial I mean, killer triad. The McDonald triad, yep. Yeah, exactly. All you have to do is be a bedwetter and you, boom, got it. Now I want something to eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> so um, Manson was sent to and was in and out of uh, boys' homes and juvenile detention center for several infractions, including theft of vehicles. In January 1955, Manson married a hospital waitress named Rosalie Jean Willis. In March 1956, he was serving a prison sentence in California for theft of an automobile taken across state lines. While Manson was in prison, Rosalie gave birth to their son, Charlie Manson Jr. I didn't do a whole lot about him, but as a side note, have you ever like read the book or heard any interviews with Charles Jr.? No, like it's very interesting to listen to him talk about like the family's perspective of what happened. Hmm. I mean, I know that he was distant with his father, but like as things were progressing and as stuff happened, you know, growing up with the name Charles Manson Jr. <laughs> right. Has some interesting. I mean, story. that that ranks right up there with it being called Adolf Hitler. Right. Like, mm, not a name you want. Mm-mm. Okay, Um, so let's see. Um, Manson received five years parole in 1958, the same year in which Rosalie received a decree of divorce. By November, Charlie, fine upstanding citizen that he was, was pimping a 16-year-old girl and receiving additional support from a girl with wealthy parents. In September of 1959, he pleaded guilty to a charge of attempting to cash a forged U.S. Treasury check, which he claimed to have stolen from a mailbox. The latter charge was dropped. He received a 10-year suspended sentence and probation after a young woman named Leona, who had an arrest record for prostitution, made a tearful plea before the court that she and Manson were deeply in love and would marry if Charlie were freed. Before the year's end, the woman did marry Manson, possibly so she would not be required to testify against him in his trial. 
So the amount of times that guy got in trouble, but right. like just got wrist, like not even slaps, like right on, like no, 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 no. no. He got a stern look from the judge. Right. Like, do you think it was because he looked like a normal white guy? Uh, you know, I don't know what my my thing is. Is even in the you know the sixties and seventies and all that good kind of fun stuff. I, I know what what was attractive during the time, right? Right. But if you look at pictures of Charles Manson, that is just, no matter what era you're in, a funny damn looking dude. So how is he convincing all of these wealthy heiresses and people to follow him? That I just don't understand. It is, there is, some people just have charisma. I mean, you play, I was going to say, he's rolling like a, a nat 20 for charisma every time. Right. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Your, your D&D has just slipped out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like splooged all over the screen. <laughs> yeah, it was times. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't ask how big the room was. I said cast fireball. Okay, yeah. So this dude's charisma apparently was just off the charts. Um, Manson took Leona and another woman to New Mexico for purposes of prostitution, resulting in him being held and questioned for violating the Man Act, which I had to look that up. Is basically the white slavery or human trafficking act. Oh, I'm like the man act. I was like, yeah. so now and we've got man acts as well as mansplaining. Yeah, Jesus I actually fuck. looked up on how to pronounce that and the correct terminology for it. So it's not a moat. It's not a mot. It's the man act. M-A-N-N act. It's the human slave trade act, basically. Oh, it, it's illegal. You can't transport humans without their consent. <laughs> That's all that is. I mean, I transport my daughter places all the time and she gets pissed off about it. But yeah, well. <laughs> Until she's 18, she has consent from you. Because um, you're her mom. That came uh, out yeah, wrong. I am, I am her consent. <laughs> I, I, okay, moving on. Um, though, he, <laughs> though he was released, Manson correctly, um, correctly suspected that the investigation for him had not ended. When he disappeared in violation of his probation, a bench warrant was issued. An indictment for violation of the Mann Act followed in April of 1960. Following the arrest of one of the women for prostitution, Manson was arrested in June in Laredo, Texas, and he was returned to Los Angeles for violating his probation on the check cashing charge. Charge He was ordered to serve his 10-year sentence in full. By the way, I should back up and say that um, I looked all this stuff up. It was Wikipedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, and Smithsonian Magazine, which I found really interesting. Now, here's a question. Hmm. Encyclopedia Britannica, does that make you feel nostalgic when you see it? it's a just website? A little, just a little like, bit, yeah. Do you remember the infomercials to buy the Encyclopedia Britannica? Do you remember we had Encyclopedia Britannica downstairs? Yeah. 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 God, we're old. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Where were we? In Charlie's story. Um, so less than a month after his 1967 release from prison, Manson moved to Berkeley from Los Angeles which could have been a probation violation, but instead he actually was smart and called the San Francisco probation office um, upon his arrival. And he was transferred to the supervision of criminological criminology, doctoral researcher and federal probation officer, Roger Smith. That was a long title. Um, until the spring of 1968, Smith worked at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, hereto after referred to as H-A-F-M-C, HAMFC. 
<laughs> that's like MUFON and right. NIAD and NORAD and NIDAC and <laughs> dipshit. <laughs> I'm not going to say the whole hate Ashbury thing, so we'll just go with Hamfica. <laughs> Hamfica. It's kind of like the Legibitiqua. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm on medication because of my oral surgery and my mouth is extremely dry, so please forgive me. I was, uh, hey, honestly, I am just really proud that you were able to be like chatty chatty after having said surgery. Yeah, I actually, my mouth was feeling a little bit better today. Um, and yeah. your face doesn't look like a chipmunk, so. It really doesn't. It's tomorrow, sore, it probably but... will. Yeah. Probably. The third day is usually the worst. <laughs> okay, so Manson and his family frequented th the clinic throughout their stay and the hate by the family from now on. We're talking about the Manson family, all of his followers. His harem um, of girlies. Yeah, well, girlies and boyies. Boilies? Boyies. Goyles and boils. Um, so Roger Smith was a well half as well as Hamfs founder David E. Smith, receiving funding from the National Institute of Health and reportedly the CIA to study the effects of drugs like 60s LSD and mm, methamphetamine. Everybody's the, favorite. Right. Um, so the study of the effects, um, LSD and methamphetamines on the counterculture movement in Haight-Ashbury. The patients at the clinic became subjects of their research, including Manson and his expanding group of mostly female followers who came to see Roger Smith regularly. Manson received permission from Roger Smith to move from Berkeley to the Haight-Ashbury district in San Francisco. He first took LSD and used it frequently during his time there. David Smith, um, who studied the effects of the drugs in rodents, wrote that the change in Manson's personality during this time was the most abrupt Roger Smith had observed in his entire professional career. Um, Manson also at this time read the book Stranger in a Strange Land, a science fiction by Robert Heinlein, inspired by the burgeoning free love philosophy in the Haight-Ashbury during the Summer of Love, so late 60s. Do you remember the remake of Woodstock in, what was it, 1999? Oh my god, that was a, that was a shit show. That was like, a, it poured down rain. And the porta potties were overflowing, and yeah, that was like that was the United States. Like, yeah, that I mean, that just basically showed what state the United States was in. We were in shit. Yes, and it was a big old pile. I totally remember that. Anyway, I mean, just stick to Coachella. Yeah, right. Well, even Coachella was it the first couple of years of Coachella. Something similar happened. So here's a little uh, disclosure about me. I didn't know what Coachella was. I thought it was like a different remake of the Coach Purse. <laughs> I know it's a big party. It's a music festival. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's not like burn it's not quite Burning Man, but it's it's a big music festival type no, thing. But anybody I can afford to go to Burning Man, not everybody can afford to go to Coachella. Coachella. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Burning so Man is artist, Coachella is rich people. Right, exactly. Okay, so um, Manson began preaching his own philosophy based on a mixture of Stranger in the Strange Land, the Bible, Scientology, uh, Dale Carnegie, and the Beatles, which quickly earned him a following. That it sounds like a big old hot mess of stupidness, is what that sounds like. 
Yeah, I mean, like, putting Scientology in anything just adds stupidness to the bucket. Right, exactly. That is a religion I never want to try and cover because, like, it is confusing AF. I mean, they ended up on a damn boat, and that guy was called the Admiral forever. Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't get it either. Makes no sense to me. Um, So let's see. The Manson family developed into a doomsday cult when Manson became fixated on the idea of an intimate, intimate, imminent, thank you, apocalyptic race war between America's black population and the larger white population. A white supremacist, Manson told some of the Manson family that black people in America would rise up and kill all white people except for Manson and his family, but they were not intelligent enough to survive on their own. They would need a white man to lead them so they would serve Manson as their quote-unquote master. According to Vincent Bugliosi, in late 1968, Manson adopted the term Helter Skelter taken from a song on the Beatles' recently released White Album to refer to this upcoming war. Side note, to this day in 2023... A lot of the um, white population in South Africa still believes this to be true. Uh, A lot of the people who speak Afrikaan down there actually practice on the regular for the Black Uprising. That is just like, I, like, I mean, that is paranoia on a whole whole other level. level. Like, I mean, he was so obscurely wrong (laughs) that like... He could have thrown a dart at a map and hit the Washington, D.C. closer. <laughs> Get how close he was. Right. Like, I mean, there's left field, and then there's not even in the ballpark, and that's where Manson was. <laughs> like. Yeah. I don't know where you were. So, in early August 1969, uh, the... Uh, yeah, between the 8th and the 9th of August of 1969, Manson family members, Leslie Van Houten, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Tex Watkins committed murders in Los Angeles. Excuse me. All of them said that they were acting on the request of Manson. Excuse me again. The Manson family gained, gained national notoriety after the murder of actress Sharon Tate and her unborn child. Tate was eight months pregnant. Um, her friend, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, the heiress to the Folger Coffee Company, and her boyfriend, I'm going to botch the hell out of this one, is Wojciech Frykowski. Fry, Fry, Fry yeah, that's it. Um, Folger's they, coffee is shit coffee anyways. Yeah. <laughs> A friend of Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate's husband, and Steve Parent, an 18-year-old visiting the Tate's groundkeeper in Tate's home, on the night of the murders. The no, next... they were in Roman Polanski's house. Yes, they were at Roman oh. Polanski and Sharon Tate's home. Polanski okay. was out of the country at the time of the murder. <laughs> yeah, he had good reason to be out of the country. Sick pervert. <laughs> um, the next night, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca were murdered. Um, at the Tate murder scenes, I'm, I'm not going to go too deeply into it. If you want to listen to and hear all about what they did to those people, then you go right on ahead. I did not want that in my head again. Um, so at the Tate murder scene, the word pigs was written in Sharon Tate's blood on the front door. At the LaBianca murder scene, the words rise, death to pigs, and helter skelter were written blood on the walls and on the refrigerator. Tex Watson, 
and three other murders of the family that committed the Tate LaBianca murders, allegedly under Manson's instructions. While it was later accepted at the trial, Manson never expressly ordered the murders. His behavior was deemed to warrant convictions of the first degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Evidence. That's bullshit. He totally ordered that murder. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, one of the things was, yes, Manson did um, help write a Beach Boys song. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to, uh, the producer for the Beach Boys was supposed to try to get him a record deal. It yeah. ended up falling through. Now, the reason why they believe that Manson chose this particular house was because that house, uh, that producer was supposed to be at that night. But right. it didn't happen. That have ends, you heard um, Manson's song? I have. It, it, he, he's not a wretched singer. Like, no. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's very somber and very, you know, but I mean, his, his voice and music style fit in with that time period. Yeah. I mean, he's no James Taylor, but it, it was bad. It's kind of like Hitler. He was an artist. You could say that he was. So Charles Manson's singing voice. Yes. Not terrible. Not terrible. Not bad. I mean, he probably wouldn't great. have won American Idol. No. Yeah. Not at all. Um, so let's see. I'm about ready to stab somebody. Hold on. What in the hell is going on? Yeah, no, the floor is going completely over, <laughs> like, right where you're standing. Okay. Let's move a dollhouse right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. Charles Manson wouldn't have won American Idol anyways. No, he would not have. <laughs> it would have been no for me, dog. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Evidence pointed to Manson's obsession with inciting a race war by killing those he thought were pigs and his belief that this would show the, please forgive me for the use of the word, Niger. I I did it. Niger. (laughs) And how apparently they would do the same. You can spell it. I don't even like spelling it. We said that we would never say that word on our channel ever. And I didn't say it. I know. Niger's a river. Um, that's Nigeria. Oh, the, you know, the, Nigeria is a country, Ni- the river, Ni- the Niger River. Okay. Hi. And there it is. is okay. right there with my English. <laughs> so um, the family members who uh, were also responsible for other assaults, thefts, crimes, and possibly the attempted assassination of, at that time, President Gerald Ford in Sacramento by Lynette Squeaky Frome. Yes. Um, that squeaky from yeah <laughs> that's a name and a half so while it is often thought that manson never murdered or attempted to murder anyone himself true crime writer james buddy day in his book hippie cult leader the last words of charles manson claimed that charles uh excuse me manson shot a rival drug dealer bernard crow on july 1st 1969 but crow survived so there's really again no proof that manson ever actually killed anybody right he's never um, taken a life while he's done it remotely yeah so on january 25th 1971 the jury found manson krenwinkel and atkins guilty of first degree murder in all seven of the tate and labianca killings they found van hooten guilty of murder in the first degree for the labianca killings after the convict After the convictions, the court held a separate hearing before the same jury to determine if the defendants should receive a death sentence. It it should be noted that this was probably one of America's longest trials. It lasted something like nine months. Oh, we've had ones that have lasted years now. Well, at that point in time, it was, yes. Um, 
So each of the three females, Atkins, Van Houten, and Krenwinkle, took the stand. They provided graphic details of the murders and testified that Manson was not involved. According to the female defendants, they had committed the crimes in order to help follow Manson, to help fellow Manson family member Bobby Buglosi get out of jail where he was being held for the murder of Gary Hinman. The female defendants testified that Tate and LaBianca murders were intended to be copycat crimes similar to the Hinman killings. Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten claimed that they did this under the direction of the state's prime witness, Linda Casbian. The defendants did not express remorse for the killings. These girls were bat crap crazy. Um, on March 4th, 1971, during the sentence hearings, Manson trimmed his beard to a fork and shaved his head, telling the media, I am the devil and the devil always has a bald head. However, the female defendants did not immediately shave their own heads. The state prosecutor um, later speculated that his, in his books, Helter Skelter, that they retained from doing so in order to appear to be completely controlled by Manson, as they had when they each carved an X in their foreheads earlier in the trial. On March 29, 1971, the jury sentenced all four defendants to death. When the female defendants were led into the courtroom, each of them had shaved their heads as had Manson. After hearing the sentence, Atkins shouted to the jury, better lock your doors and watch your kids. The Manson murder trial was the longest trial in America, in America, American history. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, when it occurred, lasting nine and a half months, the trial was among the most publicized American criminal cases in the 12th century, a uh, 20th century, excuse me, <laughs> and was dubbed the trial of the century. The jury had been sequestered for 225 days, oh longer God. than the jury before it. The trial transcript alone ran to 209 volumes or 30, 31,716 pages. Jesus Christ. Yes. And Charles Manson, as we all know, died in a hospital. I don't remember. Did they let him out first? No, I think he was a prison hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, when, how old was he when he finally died? I can't remember. My Wasn't apologies. He like in his 80s? No, he was like in his 80s, I thought. Give me a moment, please. Hello, Google machine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So ripe old age to deal with uh, your demons. Yeah. He died in 2017. All right. Well, good old Charlie Manson. Yeah. I mean, well-known. He's had many uh, books written about him. He's had many uh, movies written about him. Yeah. It's sad that so many... It's sad how fascinated people are with the criminal mind. Yeah. You know, I mean, there wasn't nearly as many movies written about Sharon Tate. But, I mean, you know, once you're dead, you're dead. There's not much to say about you. Well, tell that to Elvis and Marilyn Elvis Monroe. <laughs> He's living with Princess Diana. Yeah. At, um, and, and Nickelback. <laughs> Nickelback. Remember last time we were talking about uh, talking about things that are myths, and I said Nickelback is good, and you're like, wait a minute, why is Nickelback at Graceland? <laughs> oh, yeah, we weren't even in the same book, let alone on the same page. No, <laughs> not at all. <clears throat> all right, so now that we've visited California, let's go ahead and travel north up up the uh, the Highway 101. 
uh, and just keep on going until we make it. Sorry, my dog was just bapping my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and travel up the highway to Washington. And uh, we're going to talk about a gentleman named Gary Leon Ridgeway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer. Oh, this guy. Yeah. He gave I me remember, nightmares in high school. I remember hearing about the Green River Killer when I was a kid. Like, me too. Like, not, okay. You were in high school? He was apprehended. Like, his last killing was in... Uh, 98 and he had trickled down to nothing by then he was more he was more in the 80s that he okay. did most of his he killings. was arrested in 1998 but there no he was arrested knew. in 2001 we knew about the killings he had been doing them for so long i remember yeah. hearing about them in high school and like, i mean he yeah. was a f he was a frenzy killer at the beginning like hardcore frenzy killing like the amount of people he was killing in a month well let me just get into it. Okay. All right. So I have a little thing here. And I said, what does it mean to be prolific? Similar words to prolific are plentiful, abundant, and bountiful. The basic definition means large numbers or quantities. Based on that, then yes, Gary Ridgway can be called the most prolific serial killer in the United States. Uh, being the most at something should be a source of pride. While I am sure Gary is quite proud of his accomplishment. Yes, he is. Since he stated that he wanted to kill as many sex workers as he could. I hate how much he has talked about. But unfortunately, we are doing the 50 not so nifty. And he is Washington. However, it, he has been dethroned. He is now number two. I in don't Washington? know who number. No, in the United States. Um, there is somebody yeah. who has killed more. But I don't know his name and I didn't look him up because I didn't want it. <laughs> You're like, I don't mean to know that. I had enough fulfilled with Gary. <laughs> um, throughout this, uh, I will call him Gary, not Ridgeway, just because I don't know why. Everybody always refers to people by their last name. And that just reminds me of a high school basketball girls coach, girls <laughs> high school basketball coach. And it pisses me off because I used to have a teacher who always called me by my last name because he was a high school basketball coach. And I got pissed off at him and I called him by his first name and he kicked me out of class. <laughs> and I was like, well, it call to the man from way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Always a rebel since day one. All right. So Gary Leon Ridgway, born 1949, February 18th, uh, was a serial killer in the United States. Um, did all of his killing actually in Washington. The only reason why people said Oregon is because he actually transported dead bodies over state lines while his son was asleep in the car. Yeah. What an outstanding man. guy. Um, so let's see. Gary was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Why they didn't just leave him there? I don't know. I don't know either. He was the second child of three sons. His parents were Thomas and Mary Ridgway. His dad drove bus and would complain about the presence of sex workers. Gary's okay, parents. Wait, so he was a middle child. Yes, I see it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, his father drove bus and would often complain about the presence of sex workers everywhere. Gary's parents were not shy about hiding their violent arguments. Gary, Gary, and his brothers were known to have less than an ideal childhood. Uh, family members have stated that Mary was extreme, domineering, and very aggressive about um, 
she was very aggressive about a problem that Gary had, which was bedwetting, which lasted up until he was about 13 years old. Wow. Um, it, it seemed that she would bathe him after he had an accident, making sure to bathe his dirtiest parts by hand while in nothing but her skimpy nightgown. Oy, um, yeah, gross. Is, On another level. Yeah. Um, Gary said that he had conflicting feelings about his mom, somewhere, be somewhere between anger and sexual attraction. He stated he had fantasies about killing her. He also had fantasies about having sex with her because he stated that mothers are supposed to teach their sons things. So a mother teaching a son about sex is only natural. No. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, it is not. Uh, while Gary had an IQ in the low 80s, it was also known that he was dyslexic and he was held back for one year in school. The very first time that Gary attempted to kill someone was when he was 16 years old. Apparently, there was a young boy that he was playing around with in a, in a forested, woody area. He stabbed the six-year-old boy in the liver. The boy did survive the attack. Gary led the boy to the woods and stabbed him through his ribs and into his liver. This was the only documented attack on a male that has ever been known that Gary committed. Um, and Gary stated, well, the boy was in the wrong place and I was in the right place. Yeah. yeah, that's terrifying when people say stuff like that. That is just quintessential sociopath. There's nothing there. No, yeah. Like the, the man just is disconnected. Yeah. Uh, Gary chose to attack sex workers uh, for his killings. He ended the lives of so many women uh, that during this reading, I'm not going to give names because one, um, I don't have the ability to also give their story. And I feel that that just kind of robs them of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I will refer to them as victim. Um, sadly, each of them deserved a lot better than that. I mean, it's just, it's tragic. His reason for going after sex workers and what have you is just strong. <sighs> no matter what the reason, it's not good enough. Um, <laughs> it was, Yeah. It was stated that Gary most likely developed a hatred towards women because of his mother's overbearing treatment. As early as the fourth grade, Gary's hate for his mother was so rooted, he would dream about taking a knife and um, slitting her throat. And this was a quote from him, by the way. He would he fantasized about slitting her throat. Okay. In fourth grade. Um, this hate for his mother did eventually turn into an Oedipus complex around the age of 14. And he would have this sick, dual-sided set of feelings. The side that wanted to kill her and the side that wanted to fuck her. Again, his words. Sorry, Heather. Sorry, Heather. I don't think my sister's going to listen to this one. <laughs> uh, granted, he never did either. So apparently his mom didn't teach him about sex. Gary's dad worked part-time as well, um, not only as a bus driver, but at a morgue. And this was, and he was most likely the person who ever gave Gary the idea of necrophilia. The dad would come home and talk about how people had sex with the corpses. Uh, yeah. One of the main reasons why he started to have sex with his victims was because it took too much time to find new victims. And then he had to try and dispose of the bodies. Ew. And that was just a lot of work. Just and so basically, being a lazy ass man... He went and had sex with dead bodies because he was lazy and they didn't fight back. So there's that. 
very matter-of-factly. I am so sorry. Yeah. Gary Ridgway was a lot of fun to research. In Gary's early teen years, he did kill birds, cats, and a few dogs. Apparently, he killed a lot of birds. So basically, we have hit the McDonald's trifecta. Although I don't believe he's setting fires and bedwetting. He did commit arson as well. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, we got it. (laughs) Bingo. Who had Gary Ridgway? (laughs) Yeah. Gary Ridgway was the epitome of childhood trauma. Uh, He was also known for setting fires. So there we go. Ding, ding, ding. Hit all three. (laughs) He did not have any head trauma that was known. So... Or abandonment issues. His mother was extremely domineering. Um, she was, for l- short of a word, she was a bitch. Like, um, apparently there was one time at dinner, the mother broke a plate over the father's head. And he just got up and walked away from the table. So the dad was a wet washcloth and the mom was a domineering bitch. So obviously, while I don't, you know sign up for typical gender constructs in a family while, you know, a dad can be the stay-at-home dad and the mom can go to work. Mm -hmm. If you have a dad who does not stand up for himself and a mom who is just an over-dominating bitch, that can kind of fuck with you as a child. Um, I mean, if you just state you have parent who is wet washcloth and you have parent who is over-domineering bitch, like... If your parents are just that way, I mean, that's going to screw with you. Yeah. Because the father never stood up for himself and the mother just walked all over everybody. Abuse um, is abuse, no matter what way you look at it. Yeah. Um, he finished high school a year late, so at the age of 20. And apparently he married his fir- he married his girlfriend. Her name was Claudia. Their marriage was short-lived. It lasted two whole years. Woohoo! Yeah. I feel like I can relate. <laughs> wink wink nudge that's nudge terrible. i know i mean I, in all honesty that's more of a <laughs> my love life Eight all right times a charm right true that so he did join the military and while away for six months he used sex workers even though he hated it like he hated sex workers he was mean to them he was cruel to them he called them racial slurs all these things but he still continued to use them because he had this like insatiable sex appetite yep when he returned home he discovered that his 19 year old wife had not been faithful either and after only two years he filed for divorce apparently to this day he still loves claudia and their relationship did not turn violent. So they, they like, he was her first, he, she was his first love. And apparently he still loves her. Gary's second marriage to a woman named Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, uh, Marsha. Yeah. Gary was 26 years old and the two have one son, uh, Matthew. This is his only child. During this time, Gary became very religious, joining a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck them. Not sorry. Um, uh, and he, but he became very angry because he would try to convert his neighbors and uh, they didn't want anything to do with it. And so he became like violent. I'm trying to love you. Why won't you let me love you? Yeah. Why won't you join Jesus? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, his relationship with Marsha apparently was a very healthy sex life filled with uh, sex multiple times a day. 
and uh, some kink, like bondage and Brown stuff like that. Brown yeah, Marsha was Marsha was into it. <laughs> uh, Marsha also it, she was said to be overweight, um, and that was one of the things that I think he liked because he didn't feel threatened or worried that she would be wooed away by another man because oh. nobody's going to want a fat chick, right? Right. Yeah. Only serial killers are going to want fat chicks. Right. We're fucked. Yep. Um, once uh, he had apparently choked him. So uh, some of the sex games that they played, um, like, and when I say they played sex games, I mean, like, they played games. Like, they would go out into the forest and she would pretend to be, like, a lost hiker. Oh, okay. And he would, like, attack her. It's called consent, non-consent. But we're not going to talk about that in this episode. Go ahead. <sighs> no. <laughs> I've, I've done a lot of research into that lifestyle. But I'm going to leave the professional quotes to people, you know, like Bunny XO, Jelly Roll's wife. So that That's a whole nother podcast and yeah. possibly another channel that <laughs> yes. isn't ours. Isn't ours. <laughs> Carry on. Um, so, but apparently one time she was getting out of the car um, and he had hid behind the car and he came up behind her and he started choking her and she didn't know it was him at the time. And then he let go and he ran around the other side of the car and pretended that it wasn't him. Okay. And she was just like, you can't see me if I can't see you. (laughs) And apparently that was like a final straw for him, her, because she was like, no. Um, also, uh, around the end of their marriage, she did have gastric bypass and she ended up losing a lot of weight and Gary ah. became very, very domineering because he was afraid that she was going to be taken away by other, another man. Another because man. now she, yeah. was, she was thin and th- men only want thin, skinny bitches. Yes. Um, not that all thin girls are skinny bitches. Just, no. you know. Not I all love skinny me. girls are anorexic stick figures with no soul. Right. Some thin girls are just have no soul. <laughs> no i'm kidding i love my thin girls um so this marriage ended after seven years and apparently uh in court gary was uh ruled to have to pay alimony he made it to be the very least amount of alimony he could like i mean like he paid like 105 dollars a month wow right Way to be um, guy. and marshall was awarded full custody of matthew thank god um, so that, uh, that marriage ended in 1981. After this, Gary dated and, uh, used sex workers to try and quench his insatiable sex appetite. S- uh, sleeping with several women from singles group and using sex workers, but still he wanted more. Like, this man could not stick his penis in enough stuff. Okay. Like, I'm just saying. Um... One of the reasons why he did target sex workers also is because he thought they were easy targets and that the police wouldn't try to find them, yeah. which is true and, and sad. so sad. Yes. So uh, when he, after he was caught, he was asked, um, he was quoted back to him saying that he wanted to kill as many sex workers as he could. Um, when asked on a scale of one to five um, of evil, where did he fall? Um he stated that he was a three and then said, I killed them. I didn't torture them. Oh, well, okay. I guess. So he wasn't totally evil. He would have sex with them and then kill them. And so to him, that makes, again? well, that wasn't until later, but like, <laughs> uh, 
he he felt that that put him at a three on the evil scale because he didn't torture them. Like he just ended their lives like quickly. No, no, no. no. So his first victim was a, was a 16 year old in 1982 on July 8th. Her body was found July 15th. Gary said there were three more before this girl, but um, they were never in the news. Like there were three more women that he attacked and he thought he killed. But because, and he left their bodies in places where they should have been found, but because their bodies weren't found and it wasn't in the news, he assumed that they ended up living. And apparently there were women that he killed before this, but he just doesn't seem to remember. Yeah, this guy, he he played all kinds of games. Um, He also stated that he he thought he may have killed some in um, the 70s. And he, he just doesn't remember who they were. Their faces just seemed to fade because he held them with so little importance. Like the first time you ate an apple. You know, you eat an apple and you're like, chew, chew, chew. Do you remember the first time you ate an apple? No. Well, apparently he doesn't remember the first time he choked, choked, choked somebody. Wow. To him, apparently chewing an apple and eating and killing somebody is all the same. Just not very noteworthy. Um, so between the months of July 8th and September 26th of 1982... 10 more girls went missing um, on all of them were accredited to Gary. This amount is as many as some killers um, like some of the most well-known killers would take over five to 10 years. And he took in like a month, a month. He killed Tad like in a month. Um, it's almost as if he enjoyed it. All but two of them were teenagers. I uh, <sighs> desperately apologize yeah not Um, just for the stuff that or the research you had to do but because i can't get people to figure out that i have a podcast and not to walk around on the floor it's okay (laughs) sorry um he would dump the body bodies near the green river which soon gave him the moniker the green river killer uh he was quoted saying that he left the bodies in sorts of clusters so that he could remember where they all were he may have not remembered who they were but he sure remembered where they were um, when the, the task force formed after the first four were found, um, by finding the bodies, he said that he, he felt like they were taking something that was his because he left them and they, those were his, those were his possession. This isn't he took their treasure, you dipshit. <laughs> like, but to him, they were, they were his possessions. Like he took their life. So that that was his body. Like, oh my gosh. My dog is currently swimming across the carpet. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so the bodies being found, this formed the Green River Task Force. Sadly, it took them 20 years before they would get him. 20 years. Yeah. He also stated that he thought he was... Oh, God. This, this man is a piece of work. He thought he was doing the cops a favor. They couldn't keep them in line, but he could. Right. And they are the sex workers of the area. The only way he kept them in line was with the way that he lined up the bodies. Well, because women became like sex workers were very became very fearful and, and a lot more vigilant. Yeah. Um, well, they have to. There's nobody else looking out for him, and that's the sad part. Um, so then, uh, after that, the, the task force was formed in the late 1982. Um, and then after that one year, it was believed that Gary took another 28 lives in a year. 
Sex workers became more vigilant, even asking Gary when they met him <laughs> up to 50 different times if they if he was the Green River Killer. Are you the Green River Killer? I'm sorry. If like your gut stops and says, I'm going to ask this guy if he's the Green River Killer. Odds are don't get in the vehicle. You would think, but when, you know, you've got to have a roof over your head, food to eat, or you're unfortunately addicted to something that you feel that you're you going to end up with a different kind of roof over your head. It's going to be a canopy of leaves. Well. So apparently Gary was very careful when picking his targets. He would, he would survey them and like, he picked them out uh, due diligently. If there was a second girl um, or some kind of witness, he would just have sex with her and then he would let her go. Um, this also apparently helped him seem like he was a good customer. So there were some that, that didn't die. He, he would just have sex with them. Yeah. So good job. Sometimes when, cause the, the sex workers would ask to see his ID. So sometimes when he would show his ID, he would make sure that they could see the picture of his son. So they'd see that he was a father. Yeah. And they'd be more trusting. And they, you know, a man with a son couldn't be a killer. Uh, another time, Gary apparently picked up a quotation mark date, as he told his son, while his son was in the car. Wow. And then he had his son wait while he went on his date. <laughs> and uh, during the date, he, uh, well, he, he killed the girl. And his son waited in the car and had no idea. Did it say how old his son was? His son was like 10. Oh, so he was the age of understanding then. Uh-huh. Oy. Yeah. That poor but, baby. But Gary was was sure that his son didn't see anything, didn't know what was going on, just thought that he, his dad was on a date with a girl. Wow. In the middle of a forest at night. And then the girl didn't come back. Okay. <laughs> um, he did state that this was the only time that his son was involved. Um namely because the the chance never came up again. So he wasn't like he was against having his son in the car when he, you know, had sex and murdered people. Just didn't have the opportunity. What was <clears throat> did you say uh what his Emma was? Was he like a he strangler? He he strangled okay. all of them. Uh apparently, and it's really funny that you say that because the very next line is Gary would have been Gary was very specific about his method of killing. Uh, he told the woman that he could only get off from doggy style. Uh, when the woman was done, she would raise her head up. And at that moment, he would strike by choking her by wrapping his arm around her. Yeah. Um, she would plead, telling her about his her, her child at home or her family. You know, but he it never. It didn't matter to him. Nope. Didn't matter. He, he would sometimes tell them, um, if you don't struggle, I'll let you go. But in reality, that just made them easier to kill. Yeah. Which um, means that him killing three women previous to the first one that we are 100% about, plausible. Because strangling somebody actually takes a lot longer than most people yeah. realize. Right. Like they pass out and they think they're dead, but exactly. in reality they're just not. Yeah. Their brain is offline and eventually they're going to come back online. Right. And their system's going to reboot. So, yeah. So um, he would use his own hands for quite a while. Um, he didn't start using ligatures until he was scratched by somebody. Um, and then he, he started using like his socks, wire, dog. <laughs> However, so apparently one woman did get away. Uh, her name was Rebecca. Good job, Rebecca. <laughs> In 
he started um, and he tried to choke her. Be, um, so he stated that he uh, choked her because she tried to bite him, but she actually ended up running. Like she managed to get away. Um, but she, they ended up in court and he stated the reason why he choked her was because she bit him. And then she never pressed charges after that. Right. She should have. Always press charges. <laughs> so after the close call with Rebecca, Gary did the unthinkable. He had sex with dead bodies. He would have sex with the bodies until flies would appear. Then he would bury them. Uh, he would also leave. He would also take trophies from them, but he would leave them uh, around his workplace like necklaces or jewelry or something, hoping that the other women that worked there would pick them up and then wear them because he got a kick out of it, seeing them wear the necklace of a dead girl. Not abnormal for killers to take trophies. Yep. So then, um, but he didn't keep any of the trophies. He would always, you know, like he did the thing at work or whatever so that he could see people wearing them. That was part of his rituals. Yeah. So February of 1985, he met Judith at a singles event at a Western bar. Yeah. Um, in 1988, Gary and Judith got married. After this, Gary moved to Des Moines and became an avid gardener. He was normal and friendly. His neighbors said that he was almost too friendly. Uh -huh. At this time, his killings had slowed down to a trickle. Only four women were killed from 1984 to 1998, two in the late 80s and one in 1990, and then the final one in 1998. At this point, Gary seemed like a happy man. Judith had no idea who he was. Once in 1997, his home was searched, but she assumed it was because he looked like someone. Did his house was... It was searched because they thought he was the Green River Killer and they were looking oh. for trophies and stuff. But she's like, she just assumed it was because somebody said that he had the same appearance, not uh, for any. Actually... I mean, there were, he had been questioned and looked at, took a polygraph, everything, like, for the Green River Killer. They thought it was him a million times. Like, they had his, their eye on him a lot, but they just never could catch him. But he's and still for some, with it. Wow. Yeah. For, and for somebody who had a low IQ... He, yeah, wasn't that, right. <laughs> he wasn't that dumb. Um, Gary was, um, he was apparently really smart with forensics. Like he had good common sense with that. Things like um, clipping the nails if he got scratched. Uh, he would scatter cigarette butts and travel brochures around areas, making them think that he was a smoker or that he was, you know, just a traveler. Mm -hmm. Um also, he even moved some of the bodies across straight state lines to Oregon to make the task uh, force think that he had moved south. And like I said, one of the times while he was moving the bodies to Oregon, his son was along for the road trip, not Yay. knowing what was in the trunk. <laughs> so uh, in November 30th of 2001, due to DNA, he was caught and charged with four counts. He was 52 years old at the time. He made a plea deal to tell about all of his killings to avoid the death penalty. Yeah. While I understand that all of his killings deserve justice, I don't think he deserved that deal. I don't think he did either. But you also don't believe in the death penalty. I so. don't. Um, but I wouldn't be sad if he was gone. No. 
that and that's one of the things that is I find kind of funny is that this guy's supposed to have this low IQ yet he avoided the officers for over 20 years terrifying an entire community of people and yeah. then he's like oh by the way there's so many more that you don't know about so if you don't give me that I'm just gonna keep stringing you along so that whole and I he strung them oh, and he yeah. but he remembered where all of them were too oh, so when all was said and done, <clears throat> he was convicted of 49 counts of aggravated first degree murder. I don't know what the hell I wrote there, but first degree. <laughs> yeah. First degree murder. Um, he confessed to almost 90, but they were only able to prove 49 with pride. In fact, he confessed to 90. Um, he found telling the truth to be very easy. I guess he had been bottling it up for so long that like, it was just nice to finally just be like, yeah, just almost like a, uh, like a form of catharsis for him. Um, at the sentencing, uh, he did say he was sorry. Um, he even managed to bring up some crocodile tears, <laughs> but the judge did not show any compassion. Gary was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. His wife, Judith, wa went through hell. She was stalked, death threats. Yeah. And she had no idea. Yeah. None. Um, she went into hiding, changed her appearance and name. She apparently now lives a quiet life, never knowing if she will ever be able to love or trust men again, which is terrible. The families of his victims went through unknown amounts of pain and suffering. Knowing that Gary is forever put away does not bring back their loved ones, but hopefully they know he will never harm anyone again. He currently resides in Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington. As of today, he is 74 years old, um, and I hope that he is absolutely miserable. Yeah. Um, one interesting little uh, tidbit. Gary had the same job for over 20 years, uh, paint for, he was painting automobiles. Apparently he was absolutely amazing at it. He was meticulous, top notch, one of the best. Right. Um, but as karma, a little bitch karma, <laughs> would have it, <laughs> <Back around. laughs> yeah, and it does. It was part of his undoing. The four victims named in the original, original indictment were added at, um, after a forensic scientist identified microscopic spray paint spheres as a brand and composition that were used where Gary worked when the women were killed. Impressive. God, like it was a science. very, yeah, it was a, it was a very specific brand and type. So it was part of his extra undoing. Yeah. So that is Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, the second most prolific killer in the United States. Yeah. Take that, you piece of shit. <laughs> He's a de deplorable, he is detestable, disgusting, dreadful being. Don't even call him him. He's just a being. He's a waste of, he is a waste of perfectly good yearbook space. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the two that are up for Colorado, I can't do. Why? We'll have to talk about that off air. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I hope you uh, enjoyed today's 50 Not So Nifty. Yeah. If you, Again, I apologize. If you, uh, yeah, we're sorry. We're so sorry. We know that they're terrible people. But we do want to tell the story, at least from our point of view, from our research, our looking at. Because, you know, uh, we don't glorify them in any way, shape, or form. They are pieces of garbage. Yeah. Um, 
they are interesting pieces of garbage though. It's like, you know, it's definitely curious. Yeah. But curiouser and curiouser. True that. So let's wrap this bad boy up. Okay. Sorry for everybody who has an hour and 16 minutes of this. <laughs> um, but thank you for joining us in the rabbit hole. Hop in next week when we tumble down again. If you want, you can follow us on Instagram to see what stories are coming up. Our name is Like Rabbit Holes. If you have an idea and want us to research it, you can email us at likerabbitholes at gmail.com. Don't forget, don't don't worry, we haven't forgotten about that one. We still really want to do it, but we will after the 50 Not So Nifty. Wow. Uh, whatever podcast player you listen to us on, please drop us a review or a star rating. It always helps us out. Also, always remember to have a wonderful morning, night, or afternoon. Take care of yourself, and please take care of each other. Yes. Very much so. Yeah.